for the community. Inspire Radio. Hi guys, and we're back with the Ask Dr. Sammy show with Inspire Radio. And I'm joined by Professor Sammy, my dad, everyone. Yes, hello there, how are you? And we're really excited because this is uh, segment number three. Uh, so if you've been tuning in, bear with us because we're, uh, we're new to this whole radio gig uh, thing um, and we're really excited with Inspire Radio giving us this opportunity because you guys have been reaching out with your questions and we've been trying really hard to answer them because we're all about empowering you guys to be educated about your health and learn and start those conversations with your friends and family and doctors so that you're getting the best health care. This is what I call patient empowerment. Patient empowerment. So Professor Sammy's a real fan and so are we. Um, and so we've got some great questions. So thank you so much and keep them coming, really. Uh, so segment number three with Inspire Radio. For the community, Inspire Radio. The information on the Ask Dr. Sammy show is correct to the best of our knowledge, but no warranty as to accuracy is given and each person should not act on the basis of its contents without taking appropriate independent advice. The information provided on this show is for information purposes only. You should seek assistance from a healthcare professional when interpreting these materials and applying them to your individual circumstances. If you have any concerns about your health, Consult your general practitioner. This show does not imply endorsement of third-party services or products and cannot provide you with health and medical advice. And we've got a great question, haven't we, Dad? So why don't we kick it off uh, on this show, just if you're wanting to know what's happening. Not that I like ruining spoilers or anything like that, but we've got a question um, about strokes and we've also got a great question we're going to talk about today uh, about women's health and the menopause. So stay tuned on the Ask Dr. Sammy show. So, Dad, what's the okay. first question? This question is a very interesting question, something that I've been very worried about myself personally. Because you're old, is that what you're trying to no, say? No, it's because I'm he's, also... He's an uh, aging gentleman, everybody. Aging gentleman. Oh, I don't even Pushing know how 60, healthy I maybe am. Maybe a little over. Now, this question is from Andy from Success, who wants to know why is the arm movement so difficult to recover from and after strokes? And are there any de new developments to aid the recovery? Wow, that's a, that's a great question from Andy in Success. Um, and, I mean... I mean, Dad, do you actually know? Like, no. what is a stroke exactly? What is a stroke? Yeah, that's a good point because we hear about these things on the news and the media and everyone's heard of someone probably who's had a stroke. But a stroke is a sudden interruption to uh, the blood supply of the brain. So most of the time what will happen is there'll be a blockage to an artery leading into the brain and the area of the brain that was supplied by the artery will be starved of oxygen and therefore you might have some cell death around that area. But the effects of a stroke depend on which part of the brain was injured and how severely. So really time is of the essence in terms of recognizing that somebody is having a stroke and getting them help as quickly as you can. That's paramount. But how do I know that someone is having a stroke? I mean, is there any telltale signs that I can look forward for? So the thing that we really want everyone to remember is fast. F-A-S-T. Oh, I love fasting, I think. 
<laughs> he's really not a fast everyone, but fast in regards to a stroke. So it's all about educating people to look for the signs and do fast in their head. So F stands for face. Are they drooping their face on one side? So often the person might not be able to smile or their eye might be droopy or they can't open their mouth. Has it dropped? Um, and then the A is for arms. So are they a little bit weak? Can they lift both arms or can they lift one arm or not the other? Or can they keep them lifted because maybe they're weak in one side? Then the S is for speech. So sometimes when a person's having a stroke, their speech might not make any sense or they might start to slur their speech. So the person might be awake but not able to talk. So do they understand you? And the T stands for time get help. So call emergency services because it's very, 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 very important. Time is brain cells. So we need to get get help sorted as quickly as you can. And I really recommend that everybody educates themselves on FAST, especially if you live with an elderly person or you care for a vulnerable group or an elderly person. Uh, so we get people help because the longer a stroke remains untreated, the greater the chance of stroke-related brain damage. And we can't repair damaged brain, but we can minimize the damage from a stroke by quickly unblocking the artery that is blocked up. Wow, that's that's so scary. fast, everybody. I mean, that's very scary, darling. Because uh, I mean, how do I prevent a stroke? Is there anything I can do so that I will never get a stroke? Well, it's important to remember that more than eighty percent of strokes can be prevented. Wow, that's a big number, and. Oh, 80%. 80%. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's what we want to do. We want to keep you in that 80% of strokes that can be prevented and make sure that we don't get you to have a stroke. So there's some factors that we can't change or control. So we can't change the fact that my dad is old now and he's uh, 60. Okay. We can't change that. We can't change if you've already had a stroke or we can't change your genetics. But there's lots of things that are in our control that we can change and improve. So that's why by seeing your doctor for a health check, we can pick up risk factors for strokes. So things like your blood pressure, if you've got an irregular heart rate. So if you've heard of people having atrial fibrillation, that's where they have an irregular heart rate. It does put you at higher risk of having a stroke. So if we pick that up, we can actually treat that before you get your stroke. Type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, eating well, staying active, and most importantly, be smoke-free. So a lot of strokes can be prevented by us seeing the doctor for our health check. Oh, so that is why we need to encourage people to have health checks regularly with their doctors. Exactly. Go in and see the doctor, get your health check done because you'll pick up a lot of nasty potentials. Things like your blood pressure, heart rate, lots of things we can pick up just by looking at you in a couple of simple tests in the doctor's surgery. Okay, now, can you recover after a stroke to normality? So after a stroke, a lot of people will have some paralysis or weakness of the muscles, either in the upper or lower limbs, depending on where the stroke was. But it's important to remember that 10% of people will make a full recovery. 25% of people will just struggle with some small minor things. Um, but the main thing that is important is getting help quickly when someone's having a stroke so that they can start rehabilitation. And rehabilitation is to try and return us to normal function. Um, there's a concept which I find quite interesting, but I'm going to only keep it very brief because it's quite a high level medical one called neuroplasticity. Do you know what that is, Dad? 
Wow, that's a big word it's for a me, big by the word. way. <laughs> um, <laughs> essentially, it's the way your brain has an ability to rewire itself after there's been damage. So the brain can't, we can't fix damaged brain cells that have been starved with oxygen. We can't do anything about that. But the brain actually finds new connections to pick up the slack of damaged cells. And that concept is called neuroplasticity. And that's essentially what underpins a lot of the stroke rehabilitation we do. We want you to keep practicing movements and repeating them so that your brain learns new ways of doing things. Everyone's stroke is different. Everyone's recovery is different. And um, I'm well aware that for my patients that have had strokes or their loved ones, it can be a really frustrating time, really frustrating. We can't predict how much somebody will recover from a stroke, but the key is that it'll take time. Um, and I always tell patients it can initially seem like it's very fast uh, because very quickly afterwards the swelling around the brain subsides and you can seem to get better really quickly but then the, the next phase can be a little bit slow it can stagnate a little bit and plateau but engage well with the stroke team because the rehabilitation is the key thing um, and Andy from Success uh, specifically asked about new innovations in stroke therapy. And there's some really exciting advances. Um, Aussies are really leading the way, Dad, with this research. And there's some research in Melbourne, actually, at the moment, looking at um, uh, clot-busting drugs, which we currently give to people when we think they're having a stroke. But the research is showing that actually we could give it to patients within nine hours of their stroke onset and they seem to do quite well and have less impairments and that's particularly important for rural Aussies so Australians in rural areas where access to the hospital that can take a little bit of time to get there so it's really exciting that uh, we might be able to look at some of that it just reiterates that every minute counts when it comes to stroke patients um, my dad's a big technology buff. He likes he likes technology. Uh, and there's some exciting work around the use of robotics as well to help people uh, doing movements a bit quicker. And just to kind of put it in perspective, this the kind of stuff that robots can do is like crazy, dad. So at the moment, a lot of stroke rehab will get patients to do the same movement and will say, look, Martin, if you've had a stroke, aim to do this 25 times in an hour. But with robots, we can get you to do 600 times wow. in an hour. Amazing. It's crazy stuff. So um, there's also research to look into gloves that develop, um, that sorry, de deliver electric currents using a sensor to help improve our movement. Lots of exciting therapies to watch out for, but essentially still more to learn and develop. But the take home message, everybody listening is to act fast. So remember the four steps. Dad, do you remember the four steps? Yes, I do remember. Let's test them out, it's people. Face. Um, oh, fast. Fast. The F is to make sure the face is not drooped. Yep. Um, A is to make sure they can lift both the arms. Okay, I got that right. Good. Now, C is to make sure the speech is not slurred. Do they understand you? Yes. Um, and T, just call triple zero. That's it. The time is crucial. Look, he might not have got that as quickly as everyone would have liked. and <laughs> But just try and remember, face, has it drooped? Can they lift both arms? Is the speech slurred? And then time, quickly get help. Make time for your health check, everyone. Because remember, 
80% of strokes are preventable. That's the take-home oh. message, prevention. Uh, health checks are important for everybody over the age of 40 so that we can pick up things before you run into any trouble. And online, I'm going to pop some uh, great little links to some more information, Andy, which you might be able to read. So there's some information about fast in case you, like my dad, need to brush up a little bit on remembering it. Stuff about rehab um, and some support stuff as well. Thank you, Andy, for the question. It's amazing, and I hope a lot of people will understand and remember face. Face. That's that's fast. Fast and face. <laughs> He's get we're all the f words here. We're getting really confused, everybody. Um. Uh, so stay tuned. We've got a great question coming up for the community. Inspire Radio. The information on the Ask Dr. Sammy show is correct to the best of our knowledge, but no warranty as to accuracy is given and each person should not act on the basis of its contents without taking appropriate independent advice. The information provided on this show is for information purposes only. You should seek assistance from a healthcare professional when interpreting these materials and applying them to your individual circumstances. If you have any concerns about your health, Consult your general practitioner. This show does not imply endorsement of third-party services or products and cannot provide you with health and medical advice. For the community, Inspire Radio. And we're back with the Ask Dr. Sammy show. Um, and we've got a great question uh, from Michelle in Baldivis. And what's she asking, Dad? I know it's a great question, Michelle, but it's not my problem. And thank God I do not have to worry about this for the rest of my life. But the problem, the question Michelle has got is that are there any medications you can take to reduce the symptoms of menopause? Okay, so it's definitely not a question that my dad feels very comfortable with. He doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, but that is actually very important because the men in our lives often don't know what's going on uh, oh. with all of these things. And uh, they, they sometimes can't understand what their loved one, female, is going through. So uh, sometimes if you're a male listener, please don't tune out because actually... You, like my dad, might learn some tips and tricks to help support your ladies as they go through this life cycle. So pay attention, men and women. Let's Dealing with my wife of 35 years, your Now mom be careful, dad. You might get in trouble here. Okay. Careful. Okay, Mama okay. might listen. <laughs> Um, so this is a really common question I get, um, which is how do you actually know that you're in the menopause? Because I get asked that a lot. And essentially it's defined as when the eggs aren't produced by the ovaries. But there's a step before that that not many people seem to uh, know about called the perimenopause. So that's the transition leading up to the menopause or the transition of leading up to when we run out of eggs. And it can last an average of four to six years. But don't worry, it can be as short as a year for some people. And unfortunately, some women battle with this for up to 10 years. And perimenopause is when your cycle will get lighter or more infrequent um, and will get hormonal fluctuations where you might get some symptoms that you'd attribute. So hot flushes, mood changes, irritability and anxiety, decreased concentration, forgetfulness, lots of things like that. 
Is that a test for this? So I get asked that a lot. There's no test for the perimenopause. So the step before, there's no test. We diagnose it based on what you tell us, essentially. So what you tell the doctor about your cycle, any changes to it, and the symptoms. Generally, you have transitioned to menopause when there's been no cycle bleeding for 12 months consecutively. Do you need to see a doctor for this? So as a general rule, no. And I get asked this a lot. It's a normal part of life in those aged over 45 uh, to experience these changes. And we would only encourage you to need to see a doctor if you were under 45 or the symptoms don't seem right or if they're really affecting the quality of your life, then you definitely should because you should see the doctor to get some help. So when do you need to see a doctor then? Or should you? So if you're 45 and above and going through the usual typical symptoms that we've talked about, you may not need to see a doctor. But if you're troubled by symptoms that are interfering with your life or you're worried, the key is to see a doctor. I always tell my patients with everything, there is nothing silly they can come in and ask me. I'd always rather see them if they've got a concern about anything. And even if I just have to reassure them, I'm much happier than knowing that they're worrying at home and sitting and wondering what they should do. I always get asked about blood tests and it's a bit of a myth myth, um, with blood tests because you don't need them. You don't need blood tests for the perimenopause and you don't need them for the menopause. And that's essentially because hormone levels vary. They change. They go up and down like a bit of a yo-yo. And just because they're high or low at a specific time doesn't actually mean that it's going to stay like that. So we actually diagnose things on your age, classic symptoms that we've talked about, and generally the menopause blood tests are not necessary. They're just not helpful. They won't change anything that we tell you. So there's no blood test. Yeah. So what about, I heard about this in the newspapers, they call it the saliva test. I bet I bet my mum wanted to fork out $1,200 for these saliva tests. Is that why you heard about it? Yes. It's expensive. It's too expensive. They're very, very expensive. People out there, there are private companies offering saliva tests and they're, they're lots and lots of money. I'd rather you come and give your friendly family doctor a, a, a bottle of wine and save the money, to be honest. Uh, just like uh, blood tests can't test for what stage of the menopause you're in, nor can saliva tests. And it's based on the same principle. They measure that hormone, but that hormone can vary significantly. So just because it's low or high, it doesn't really tell us anything. So the take-home message is save your money. Don't go and get those saliva tests. So saliva tests are no-no for mum. No-no for mum. We can save some money. That's <laughs> $1,200 in my pocket. Now, the next question is, going on to the same question, Do we need any treatment for menopause? So management of menopause is uh, not one size fits all. So it really depends on the individual. A couple of facts. 20% of women will not have any symptoms needing treatment. They won't even get any symptoms really. They won't notice it. 60% will have mild changes that they'll maybe need to do some things for, change life a little bit. And 20% will have really severe symptoms that affect their daily life. So which category you fall into will kind of depend on your genetics, how lucky you are probably, ethnicity, but also other medical problems that you might have. And it's important to remember that you might not need any treatment at all. But I do tell women a couple of key things that maybe uh, will help you, Michelle from Baldivis. Maintain a healthy diet because we know that women with a healthy weight appear to have less hot flushes than those that are carrying a little bit of extra weight. 
We know that reducing caffeine, alcohol and spicy foods are also very important because they make symptoms worse. And interestingly, you've got to try and eat things with something called phytoestrogens. And if you don't know what that big word is, because my dad's looking very confused, he's shaking his head, everybody. They are natural plant estrogens. And estrogen is the hormone that the female body is starting to reduce in menopause. So these are naturally found in certain plants. So tofu, uh, whole bean, soy products, some whole grains and legumes. And so they can be quite helpful. And then I tell people, if the hot flushes are problematic, do things like carry a small fan with you. Use um, a water facial spray. Wear clothing with lots of layers so that you can adjust at work. And think more about the environment that you're in. And for lots of people, that might be all that you really need to do. You might not need to do very much else. But also look at things like stopping smoking. Herbal remedies, I hear a lot about that. Um, I have a lot of patients that take things like black cohosh and evening primrose oil, chamomile and linseed. The thing with herbal remedies is that we know that some people find a benefit from them. There's no doubting that. I'm a big believer in holistic medicine. I think it can work alongside Western medicine quite helpfully in some cases. But these herbal remedies often haven't been studied properly to see if they work and if they're safe. So um, it's important, I think, to actually see your family doctor and consult them before you start these herbal remedies. Just check that it doesn't interact with the medication you're already on. Uh, a key fact is only about 25% of women who take herbal remedies come to see their doctor first. So only 25% of women. Most women are just going and buying them without seeing their doctor. Um, and I think actually we need to to consult our doctor. That's not, that's very dangerous. You've yeah. got to see the doctor first. Yeah, so black cohosh, which can be very helpful, can also irritate your liver. So if you were, you know, had a liver problem or a predisposition to a liver problem, I might suggest that you don't use that herbal remedy and you use a different one. So key thing is, uh, if you're going to look at herbal remedies, which can be helpful, see the GP. Very good. Now, the next one is, I've heard this term before many times and I'm really confused. I heard some, negative uh, consequence of this kind of treatment it is called hormone replacement therapy hrt hrt yeah hrt has been a big news topic really um so it means hormone replacement therapy and essentially it's replacing the hormones that our body is naturally lacking and it can treat lots of the symptoms that women notice during the menopause because we're essentially you're low in estrogen and we give you estrogen doesn't take a genius to figure out you probably feel better however it's been a big topic of media coverage um i have to say back when i was a medical student wow that would be like 14 years ago uh we were moving away from prescribing hrt because they had done a large study in the u.s that said hrt causes lots of breast cancer and blood clots and and so it led to lots of people not using it around half of the women in australia who were prescribed with HRT, stopped their HRT overnight. Wow. Huge, because they were all scared about it. But what happened then is that these women symptoms returned with a vengeance and a lot of them really struggled with a lesser quality of life. Um, a recent review of the evidence in the last few years has showed that it is actually a safe and effective treatment for the right population. So age 50 to 60 with no sort of reasons that you can't use HRT, it can actually be really helpful for symptom control. And I have a lot of patients that take it because they really need it. A couple of risks to be aware of. Uh, you hear a lot about the breast cancer risk with it. 
your normal risk of getting breast cancer during the menopause is three in a thousand women. Taking HRT increases that risk by one. So four in a thousand women. Okay. So it is a risk, but still a smaller risk than you would think. And there's a slightly increased risk of blood clots. On the flip side, we are doing a lot of research that says that HRT, hormone replacement, actually improves your health outcomes. So it can cause less osteoporosis. It can cause less heart disease, less cancers of the uterus and bowel cancers. So we don't know a lot about it, but it seems that in the right population, it is pretty safe. Oh, that means the danger is in the women is less than 0.10% of the population. Yeah, our statistician, so, Martin. Yeah, that, but the thing is, what, I'm a little bit more confused, okay? It seems to be too, too complex. Now, with mum, can she start on HRT? So would you be worried as essentially? Do you know, it's, it's not one size fits all. So I would recommend that any lady out there thinking of starting HRT, or if you have a loved one that's thinking about it, Go and see the doctor. They'll know your history well because not everybody can safely take hormone replacement therapy. Um, And you've got to remember, 80% of us will have no symptoms or mild symptoms. And actually, we may not need treatment with HRT. But the few people that do need treatment, because some people will, then HRT might be something that the doctor suggests. And if we use it, the doctor will pick the safest route. So we use patches, which seem to be a little bit safer than the tablets that you swallow. We'll use the lowest dose and keep reviewing it to make sure that you still need it. The other point that I just wanted to touch on is we talked about the saliva test being offered by a lot of private companies and they can be quite expensive. I also see lots of women accessing what they call menopause clinics over the phone or online. Uh, these are becoming quite popular. They're, when you Google menopause management in Australia, you get lots of hits about this. I just want to tell people just to be a little bit careful with doing this. Um, often it's private companies that are actually manufacturing hormones and they market them as natural. So women can sometimes pick these because they think it's a natural sort of remedy. But often they're actually made in pharmacies that compound them up with the same stuff that we put in medicine HRT. So just be a little bit careful if you're looking at private menopause clinics and things like that just to do your research because uh, sort of the natural HRT, often that area is not regulated in the same way that normal medication is. It's often very, very expensive and sometimes might not be safe because it's not your own doctor who's so the, prescribing so it. The lesson is always see a doctor. So what I'm going to do is going to make an appointment for my wife, your mum, to see her daughter who's also a doctor. <laughs> If only that was allowed. I don't think they could pay me enough money to, uh, to uh-huh. <laughs> try and see my mum for 10 minutes in a clinic. Um, I'm going to put some links online as usual to a couple of really useful websites. Uh, there's the Jean Hales website that's got more information. But essentially, if you're going through the change or not sure if you're in it, talk to your family doctor. They'll help you out, tell you where you're at and what you need to do or what you can do. And we'll be back for next... uh... Next week, yeah. So tune in again to Ask Dr. Sammy. And if you miss one of our episodes or you just caught in at the last minute, you can listen online on many platforms. Got it. And please do not be shy. Any questions you would have... Any medical yes. questions? Let's oh, yes. just caveat. I'm not questions. an expert in lots of things, though. I'd like to think I was an expert in fashion No, as she's well. not. I can <laughs> tell you that. Uh, any medical questions, feel free to write in. Let us know and I will make sure my lovely daughter will answer them.
so as usual, it's been great uh, joining the Inspire Radio team with the Ask Dr. Sammy segment. Don't forget to keep writing in and we'll see you all next time. And look forward for a wonderful summer. Yeah, it's not long till summer. Thank God for that. I know. It's been a long winter. Thanks, guys. For the community, Inspire Radio.